Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller podcast. I've got with me today uh, a guest, one of the OGs of the Amazon space. You're going to understand uh, why. One, uh, co-founder of The Prosper Show. Two, uh, exited a successful business serving Amazon sellers. Three, starting a new one that is almost category redefining. So I hope I didn't... uh, go too far. I don't think I did. Uh, Chad, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. That's quite an intro. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, um, the goal of this podcast for, for anyone new listening is to like really give you know anyone that's selling on Amazon uh, something in the back of their mind that if they want to act tomorrow, they can improve their business. And uh, I think we're going to cover a few of those things. So, you know, you you got a background. When did you start leaning into the Amazon channel and actually building, you know, several businesses around it? I mean, you you have you still kind of sell on Amazon too. Yeah. So I I started and so I was fired from my Wall Street job in 2009, February, Friday the 13th. And before that, I was helping my parents resell product on Amazon. And it just so happens that the main founder of Prosper Show, James Thompson, was my account manager back in the day. That's how far back this goes. Yep. So, um, yes, yeah, our let's see, it's 2007. So now it's 2022. I mean, you can imagine the kind of evolution that's happened and the maturation that's happened on the Amazon marketplaces is, is incredible. Yeah, it was always an f- interesting thing. The first Prosper Show that I went to was actually in Salt Lake City. Uh, very few people actually know that that's where it, its roots were. And, but it's the first time it was a show that I felt was dedicated to like me where like, okay, I'm an e-commerce seller, but like, I'm not just an e-commerce. I'm kind of like, I'm on Amazon and, uh, let's see, um, did Scubana happen before or after Prosper? It was kind of simultaneous, like the inception. So Scubana started building in 2014. And I had reached out to James Thompson and I was like, hey, I have this idea of a multi-channel strategy to enable order management and inventory management and analytics all in one platform. He's like, hey, I want to invest. And then he reached out to me saying, hey, do you want to get involved in building an Amazon community? The first of its kind. I was like, hell yeah. And so I would say parallel, right? It was parallel visions. Yeah, well, um, honestly, that was a really smart business decision. As I've seen partnerships that have worked out or whatever, like, you know, uh, the best thing you could do is create, if you have a successful conference, you know, how many uh, of the right conversations does that have for the next, you know, while? So um, Scubana, inventory management, you know, uh, tool. I, you know, when I demoed it, maybe 2015, 2016, I was like, this is the best I've seen. And, but not quite as good as my personal inventory manager that we made for our own business. And I always say that yeah, because like, because, because we, 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 we made it, uh, just for like the specific type of seller that we were. Mm. And boy, is it hard to create an inventory manager that like pleases everyone. Totally. You see this uh, hair loss on top? Yeah. Because mm. um, every every business just thinks slightly differently. So mm. let's fast forward a little while. Um, you exited Scubana, um, uh, presumably, you know, successfully, like a strategic buyer came in. And, yeah, it was a life-changing outcome for me. And then, I mean, I, I can spend this entire time talking about Scubana, but like, I actually don't. I'm more interested in what you're doing now. Um, but, you know, an inventory manager is actually an awesome software tool to build because people don't want to leave it. 
So, you know, mm. once people like really dig in, I imagine retention was fairly decent. Uh, but you guys, did you guys have more success with Amazon sellers or more success with like Omnichannel? Well, I, I would say like we initially started servicing Amazon merchants and then we discovered that there was even more stickiness and more capital. We want to take a Shopify business and enable them to go multi-channel. So we really focused on Shopify Plus. Okay. And then those Shopify Plus brands uh, started expanding off channels, just say Amazon or Target or Sephora. And we were able to connect the API into all those different channels. Um, I It is still a common uh, question uh, people ask me about like an inventory manager tool. Uh, for yeah. Amazon sellers. That is because like, you know, every solution they come across doesn't quite, you know, match what they're looking for. Do you still think this is a, that would be an, like, if you were to like build another one, do you think you could build another successful one? No. Really? <laughs> I mean, I, do I think I'd build a successful one? Sure. But do I want to? No, that's not no, really no, no, no. I think it's, the, yeah, I think the problem, so yeah. I think for me, it's like whether the problem has been solved, right? And I believe that the problem is solved sufficiently. And you have NetSuite on the high end of, of the market coming down and you have Shopify going up and those players in the middle are getting squeezed. Okay. So on top of that, I really, and like kind of moving into the software I'm building now, I wanted to work on a delicious problem that was beautiful, that was challenging, that was wholesome for me and nurturing. Uh, and so for me, I believe that like SaaS in general, the modes to get in the barriers to entry have come down tremendously. And so I wanted to work on an AI first software. Okay. So using data, using real data science, I'm, I'm caveating using the word real because there's a lot of imposters in our space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, uh, in my opinion, yeah. a bid optimizer is not necessarily AI. That's, you know, that's algorithmic, but um, unless you're really throwing like neural networks and uh, uh, machine mm -hmm. learning, like even those words are sometimes buzzwords people are not actually using. They, they, they turn into marketing uh, totally. tools. It's like using the word paleo or keto, right? It doesn't necessarily mean it's good for you. And so it's happening in the Amazon space. You have all these software companies that are claiming AI on their website, and it's essentially removed the meaning of the essence of, of what AI is supposed to do. And so what, what I've seen is a lot of these companies are really just using logic that's masquerading as AI. <laughs> they don't have a data science team. And so in my opinion, what we're working on is like next level. It doesn't even exist on the market in its yeah, fashion but, today. Um, it is something near and dear to me. In fact, like I could be a potential customer. I do have uh, one company that like could uh, foreseeably use this solution. But we're, what near and dear to me is like pricing on Amazon. Like it mm. is a uh, pricing in general, like any service that you have, whether it's like a agency service or a software service or an e-commerce, like pricing is yeah. uh, very tricky to get right. And actually, yeah. you know, it signals so many things. So we could, do, I mean, we could go psychological and just uh, talk about that. But um, when we talk about pricing on Amazon, it's like, you know, you want to win. You want to, you want to convert sales. You want to convert sales mm -hmm. profitably. When you have higher margins, boy, does that open up a whole slew of new tools and new opportunities. Mm -hmm. I generally, I come from a, a an arbitrage wholesale background where like pricing is about winning buy box and in growing gross margins. And I always try to tell people how to like, you know, train your, get your margins higher. And you have a very different solution. Yeah. So, 
tell me, you know, what angle you're taking, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, bringing a lot of data to make smart decisions, but ultimately the, the end result is uh, the right price, right? Correct. So let's geek out on it. So what prophecy is, was established because I tried everything. I have my own econ business, right? I'm trying to improve it. I'm trying to maximize its potential. And I tried everything. I was doing a cost bid adjustments and changing listings and doing all these things. And I was like, wait a minute, why is just asking the question, why, right? Why is pricing static? If Amazon's marketplace is a living, breathing entity, then why are people just setting and forgetting price? In fact, most companies that I talk to are rarely changing price. If maybe if we're lucky, they're doing it once a month. So if you look at big tech companies, first of all, Amazon in general is repricing two and a half million times a day. Then you look at Uber has something called surge pricing, which is dynamic pricing. Airbnb has something called smart pricing. So hedge funds use yeah. algorithmic traders and prop traders to dynamically optimize every penny of profit. Yet Disneyland has surge pricing. Done. Yeah. So Expedia, you can go on and on. And so we, I specifically set out on this vision to give Amazon brands that same superpower. And so if you think about all the data points that one has access to, right? You, I mean, you, you, with your business, you're tapping into Amazon's APIs, maybe even the advertising API, right? Amazon shoppers are leaving behind billions of clues, behaviors, preferences, wants, desires, searches. And we pull that into our platform in real time and use machine learning to pinpoint the optimal price. And so we don't focus on winning the buy box. It's not what we focus, right? Like, so this is, not, this is not like a reseller's uh, yeah. solution. Correct, correct. So like there's so many repricers out there that are focused on the old way of doing business, which is just trying to figure out how to win the buy box for resellers. We live and die by the search engine ranking page on Amazon. And I never believed that you should have one price set, set it and forget it for any for anything. And I think that different times of the day could lead way to changing and evolving your price to maximize your profit potential. So our thesis is adjusting price to maximize your profit without sacrificing your BSR. So we pull into our platform hundreds of factors to, to predict demand and to price optimally. So an example would be, we do a reverse ASIN lookup. We find your competitors for, for every specific ASIN. We build an algorithm around every single ASIN in your catalog. We look at BSRs of your competitors, price, the review count, the review recency, the quality of the reviews. All of this is coming in and it's too much for a human being to process, right? And so what an algorithm does is it actually creates its own nested if-then statements. And we're talking about billions of nests within its logic and automatically learns from that logic and improves what the optimal outcome is. So the way that I would share this with my mother would be Facebook. My mom can relate to Facebook. She's on it all the time. So if you just start an, a Facebook account and it's just blank, the Facebook account is just blank, right? Like you have five friends on the Facebook account. Well, now Facebook has to figure out what to, what to give you to hit dopamine so that you continue to spend time and dwell on Facebook. So a like, a comment, looking at videos, sharing a video, messaging somebody. They're taking all these data points into account to achieve an outcome, which is make sure you stay and never leave the platform and hit that dopamine in your brain. Amazon's no different. Does that make sense, Scott? I just want to make sure I'm like being clear yeah, yeah, as yeah. I define. Okay. So I f there's like so many data points to pull in. There's billions of data points that you can computationally um, crunch. But, but, but of course, some of them might just be less relevant. You know, you mm -hmm. got to like figure out like, what are the relevant data points that move totally. that change shoppers' uh, opinions. Yeah, 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 completely. 
So we pull in all those factors and the model learns from these factors to mm -hmm. optimize what is the best price at a specific time of day, not by guessing, by making like scientific informed decisions in the platform. So let's just take, you know, I'm, I'm going to jump into my, my brand. Uh, it mm -hmm. does a few million a year uh, across a catalog, about a hundred uh, products or so. Some of these are selling one a day. Some of these are selling 15 to 20 a day. You know, I want the I want the best margins, and I also want to sell through. But yeah. uh, you know, I've got all these like wants. Like, I, I want if something's going to stock out, I want it to like stock out at a high price. Yep. So, how would I jump in and you know use this tool? How long would I? What what types of results would I get? So, in our first cohort, we saw a roughly seven to twelve percent increase of profit on a monthly basis, and. So those are the, that's the outcome that you'd achieve. So we want to maximize profit without sacrificing your BSR. So I'll I'll put it back into your into your hands, right? Like what would a seven twelve percent increase in profit be for your business, and what would that mean for your enterprise value of your company, right? The amount that you can sell for, yeah, it's, it's pretty dramatic, right? We're talking about like in a in a margin compressed environment in the world that we're we're living in today, where it's just stormy. Right, with everyone's cost going up, an increase of seven to twelve percent is is large, right? Which is um, why this is such a game changing. How how are you showing that improvement uh, to your users? So yeah, so we pull in typically the median, and we go back year over year. We look at thirty, sixty, ninety days. You know, we have all these graphs to show. Hey, this is the effect of ad spend. This is what happened with seasonality. This is what happened with your profit. And we, you know, we want to make sure that we're putting it into the the user's voice, our customer's voice, which is, do you have more profit in your pockets at the end of the month? Uh -huh. um, do you have your users insert their cogs so that like, yeah. 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 So a couple of things. So one is when you first come on board, you have, there's an NDA that you sign, um, you connect in your SPA API account, the seller central account and the advertising accounts. Um, and then on top of that, we suck in your listings and you put in your min cost, your, your cost of goods sold. We calculate all the fees now. We just implemented that that feature. But you put in your cost of goods sold, you put in your floor price and your ceiling price, and we do the rest. What if you want your floor price just to be like your break even? Yeah, so we put that in as your floor price. Sure. And if you want to change it, you go back into the platform and you can make a change. So basically what you're describing, maybe a simplistic way to talk about it is like, oh, this is a repricer for private label sellers brands, uh, people that fighting for ranking more than they're fighting for profit. Sometimes they're fighting for, uh, you know, they, they got different long-term goals. You, you said that, you know, your first cohort is experiencing, you know, uh, a lift of 10%, which is significant, mm -hmm. you know, of course of an entire year, like say, uh, someone's profiting half a million a year, you know, going up 10%, it's 50,000. And then if you exit that business, that's, you get a multiple on that. So all of a sudden, you know, this is a solution that's like a, a is it as simple as like a switch? And then all of a sudden, like your business, like, you know, is 10% more valuable. Correct. We want to make it as simple as hitting the yes button. Okay. And most, so like most aggregators right now, the top aggregators are using AI and data science and they have the budget to spend on data science teams, which are very capital intensive, but brands don't, right? Small brands out there, medium-sized brands aren't investing this kind of money and time into. So we become the AI co-pilot and, you know, we're starting with pricing, but we're probably not going to finish with pricing. I'm going to, I'm going to challenge something. I'm going to suggest that like, 
you know, of, the, of large sellers out there, say they're doing more than five million a year, they all start to think about investing in tech on their own. Um, I'm actually gonna guess 90% of the, the the largest sellers, even the aggregators, the tech that they build actually gets shelved eventually. Mm. That they're less successful than they, you know, they're like, oh, we have all this money. Like money doesn't actually buy the right solution. Mm. I know companies that have spent 10 plus million dollars and just like ultimately software gets shelved. Yeah, yeah. you can get expensive engineers, but if you don't have the right ideas, don't the if you don't have the Amazon specific knowledge of the, of the right levers, then it's not going to work out. Um, what's your thoughts on that? I I completely agree. So the the challenge is is that you have aggregators that raise a lot of money. They're lost. They paid high multiples for for brands. Everything's getting more expensive, and so now they're like, well, let me go invest all this money into a data science team. But it's not just science. There's also an art to it, as you're. I mean, Amazon, there's an art and a science to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes along with when you're building a product, you're implementing the art and science into the product. And if you're missing one of those things, you're going to fail. So yeah, I can't tell you how many aggregators I've talked to, like the top the top 10, let's just say, are all like, oh, we're building this internally. I'm like, I'm living and breathing this every single day, right? Like the way and the approach and the people that I'm talking to and all the, like from being in this industry for 20 years, which makes me sound really effing old, but from being in the space, we've been able to absorb a ton and be able to implement that and inject that into the platform to do it really quickly. Just because you can raise a lot of money doesn't mean you can build a software. Or Absolutely. Team. And th this might sell uh, prophecy uh, just as well. You know, you could spend $50,000 and maybe you come out with a decent solution, but most likely not. Or you could just rent, you know, like these subscription tools for, you know, whatever, you know, tens, hundreds of dollars. And it's already working right, right now, like today. I just want to caution people that like, don't try and reinvent the wheel when like, you know, I'm going to like, I'm going to test out prophecy with my private label business. I, I there, there's, it's stupid not to, it's stupid not to like a small uh, change and, you know, see, see, see results. I don't have to like, I actually don't want to ever touch pricing. You know, I'm actually really happy to talk to you, Chad, um, because I'm not going to build a repricer. I just don't want to. There's different risk associated with with uh, pricing, you know, 24-7 uptime. There's uh, whatever. There's other tools I hear about. I'm like, ooh, I might want to build that. You know, that's mm. that, that's tangential to Smart Scout Prophecy. Yeah, just not. yeah I, I think uh, what we're saying is that, like, I'm going to challenge most people are not smarter than... The, the, the people that have been in the industry for about 10 years and that are building solutions that have like shown success. And I'm not going to like go out and say that prophecy is for everyone. We already described a type of person that it's not for, mm -hmm. but that there are some people that should just, they should just turn it on tomorrow. Like they, they, they're wasting a lot of opportunity by not turning it on tomorrow. Yeah. We, we could, we all have like an aggregator in the back of my mind that in our minds that are like, like they sh should really give it a, give it a test. And maybe they won't because like, you know, they're the ones that have raised a hundred million dollars. So who's going to tell them what to do? I mean, even when I was at Skibana, aggregators were saying, oh, we're just going to build an ERP system internally. I'm just like, what are you doing? You have to buy a business. You have to operate it successfully. You have to increase the enterprise value of it. And you want to actually build an ERP system as well. Like you can't just, you can't be great at all those things and you have to deal with your investors as well right and you have to deal with 
people knocking off your product. Like it just doesn't scale. So I, I made this interesting post on LinkedIn. I don't know if you read it. I know that you know we we interact on LinkedIn, which was about the rise of the algorithmic brand. I don't know if you remember that yeah, post. I saw it. But I really do believe that the future of Amazon selling is going to be AI driven. Like there's so many softwares out there that give you a lot of data. And I think it's about the next step is how do you make decisions around the data? You disappeared for a second, but. Oh, no, sorry. I, okay. we, we, <laughs> I, I've got a baby in the room, but. I, oh, okay. She, she's well, going great. Don't worry. The listeners are going to love to hear of like all the, the, the troubles of being an, of a new dad. Um, mm, how's but, your kid? How's your kid? Uh, she's four months. Four months. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. It, it's actually, it's, it's kind of cool. It's, it's, a, it's a good time. Um, but sorry, I, I was, I was uh, I, I'm here. <laughs> no, it's all good. So uh, should we talk about baby hacks now or should we uh, keep talking about pricing? <laughs> no, let's, <laughs> let, let's, let's wrap up pricing and we can hit the baby. Hack <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I feel like I think we built something really, really remarkable. We're still at the early stages of it and we're going to be adding a ton more to it over the course of the coming months. Right now, we're just entering into cohort two, uh, which starts December 1st. We're being very selective of who we bring on. Uh, we're back back testing their information so we can like be very sure of how much profit we can generate for the company before we bring them on as well to maximize the results that we're giving. So anyway, I'm like super stoked about this. It's a hard problem. I, I think AI first technology and like being the first pioneer on new technology is, is uh, fascinating and just it's a fun adventure. I agree. I'm with you. I business building. If you, if you continuously do it, like it just gets a little more fun. You get a little bit better you get a little bit, I don't know. You still make mistakes, but uh, uh, so you're telling me is, is, is prophecy uh, right now, like kind of like an invite only. Um, yeah. It's request access. Yeah. We can't bring on too many clients. We have to drip them over time. So okay. we're, we're in the process of like dripping um, on, on mistakes specifically, like, you know, when I sold Stubana, I made a list of all the mistakes and I made a framework. I was like, these are all the things I want to do differently in my next adventure. And I'm now carving out new mistakes, which are never go. ending, right? Well, hopefully you're carving out a few new uh, wins. Um, well, so the, I, I think it's really interesting what you're doing. And I hope everyone that's listening, like pay attention uh, what's going on here. Chad Rubin is actually a pretty, you know, great person to follow on LinkedIn. He's going to say very original thoughts. Uh, it kind of uh, is just going to say how he feels. Maybe you agree mm -hmm. that you don't, but um, uh, I don't think he, I don't think you really care. <laughs> no, no. I think for me, I just my goal in e-commerce is like that's where I've spent my entire career is to leave commerce better than when I began. Uh -huh. And I've done that. I've done that. Right. That's it's yeah. already done, and now I'm. Doing no, it again, like that's it, really it, my if my you, why. If you do the uh, yeah, what what you're saying, if you succeed, you're almost pulling the future forward. Uh, the person that's done it the most in the last twenty years is you know uh, Steve Jobs with the iPhone. Mm -hmm. Would we have landed on the iPhone? Maybe. Would we yeah. have landed on it in two thousand and seven? No. Um, he he pulled the future forward. And mm -hmm. I think, my opinion, like what what you've told, algorithmic pricing you know, maximizing margins, capturing opportunities, you nail it. You know, mm. we're, we're doing that for e-commerce. Totally. I just want to also share about the 
being in agreement, right? I think even when I post stuff on LinkedIn, the idea here is to post stuff that like opens a, it could be me testing an idea or a thought, right? So it opens my own perception of the way that I see the world, but maybe it's opening up other portals for other people to open up their hearts and minds. So I think a lot of people refrain from posting on LinkedIn or Twitter original thoughts because like they don't want to stir the pot. But I believe in my heart that good controversy is important and healthy. Yeah. Like if you, if you can cultivate positive heat and disagree, but like we disagree in harmony together, I think that's something very special. Yeah. I'm actually myself trying to not always say the agreeable things. Say when I first started this podcast, you know, you want to serve all audiences. You have that mm. tendency, you know, we, we always want like this, like I'm uh, kind of like a peacemaker, like one of, so one of my base personalities to like want to like, you know, have everyone get along. But I'm actually trying to harness like, no, it's actually probably important to like build opinions and be able to defend them and uh, figure things out. It is actually more interesting for, for the listeners. No one wants to hear these like, um, uh, no one wants to hear the same stuff. Uh, yeah. And I think there's this like following, it's like group think effect, right? Because the, the influence in this space have aligned like, okay, I'll give you an example. I, I posted a post, I'm not going to say the company's name, that held in a, a conference in Vegas. Okay. And I went to go see it, A, because I heard it was going to be the prosper killer. But B, I just, I wanted to see what the new, new age conferences are like in the Amazon world. And I made a post that was pretty specific around the things that were, I thought that were needed. Right. But no other person in our space, even though behind the closed doors and in the hallways, people were talking to me about, hey, these are optimization. These are ways that we can improve. They weren't willing to go out on a limb and say it because by saying it will hurt their, it'll, it'll hurt their relationship with, the, with someone who they, who they rely on. And I'm just like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak how I feel. I'm going to share my opinion. And if they cancel me, they cancel me. Right. But in my opinion, for example, I believe that there's a better way as a community that we can be aggregating. We can be having events that that essentially activate our potential. And it could be peer learning. Like there's so many peers when I go to these Amazon conferences of smart people that I can learn from. I could be five seats away from that person. I never meet them at the conference because we're all just focusing on on, on the person that's speaking at us on stage. Yeah. So anyway, that's a long story for me to to do it's a long rabbit hole I can go down, but essentially no, 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 it's just no. another uh, another data point. I saw that post fully, fully agree with you. Um I I know I rather live in that world that you're just describing. I rather live in a world where like oh we're a little bit more honest. We're a little bit more like th- thinking. You're right. It is a rabbit hole. We we spend plenty of time, but I I like to wrap up my episodes. I mean, like Chad, thank you so much for your time um, already. But of uh, uh, what is uh, you know one of the what what tool helps you more in your business than like anything else, or what, you know what you're thinking about? This is open ended. Yeah. The only answer yeah. I won't accept is Gmail. <laughs> so, well, at Bana we adopted some pretty heavy technologies, and so when I started one of them, I would say when I started building Prophecy, I thought to myself, how do I build back with like next generation tech, like version 2.0. So version 2.0 for me was, for example, I was using Salesforce at Stubana. Now I'm using Pipedrive. Now we'll scale, we'll see over time, but we were using Confluence as an example for wiki, internal wikis for the company. And now I'm using Notion. Mm-hmm. We were using Jira for sprints, for development sprints, and now we're using Linear. So 
for me, that's really where I've focused my time uh, on these like nimble, modern, unbloated technologies that are accessible to everybody and that you can like make changes and do them at an accelerated pace. Yeah. Um... I'm with you on uh, Notion. Um, we're, we, we use it all. I, I use it internally. I kind of find it. It's a better place to like start writing and let like things just go their way. Whereas like Google Docs, like it's just so static. You know, you're like, oh, like you know, go check out this Google Doc. Go check out this. Whereas like um, Notion's kind of hit some really cool things. So um, yeah, there's there's next gen SaaS everywhere, and uh, people keep innovating. So that's cool. Yeah, I love it. I mean, we break down every department, sales, marketing, then we have sub subgroups in those groups and you can download templates off the cloud and you can suck them right into your Notion document and customize them and make them amazing. Yeah. So I'm a pretty big fan. Well, um, so Chad Rubin on LinkedIn, if you want to reach out, then Prophecy is spelled uh, with an F, P-R-O-F-A-S. P-R, yep. Yeah. So my, my personal email is chat at prophecy.com, P-R-O-F-A-S-E-E. And it's a play on words, right? The word prophecy is to predict the future with a level of certainty. And P-R-O-F is profits you could see. So prophecy. Um, yeah. You got that? You got that? No, no, no. It's, it's good. It's good. I mean, like even without any of those explanations, it's not a bad name. It's, it's, it's good. Um, love it. Okay. Well, uh, thank you so much. Uh, and to those listeners, uh, uh, you know, another person that I recommend you, you follow and uh, stay tuned. We've got, you know, we have episodes every week where we try and help you become a better seller on Amazon. So thank you, Chad, for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it and giving me the opportunity to, to speak to your audience. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, with that, we'll, we'll wrap up. And thanks, everyone. And have a great Q4. One, two, three. Yeah.